Because of the depth of relationship that God has offered to us, we should fear breaking God's heart. And what's interesting is it seems that Jonah fears God's authority, but not so much breaking God's heart. Because what we're going to find by the end of the story, Jonah actually doesn't agree with God's heart. And his decisions are based on the fact that he doesn't like who God is and what God does. Our rebellion affects others and sin has consequences. This is evidenced by the experience of Jonah as he fled from the presence of God. As Pastor Daniel teaches today, God's ways are rebellious. That sounds contradictory, but the way that the Lord deals with Jonah proves that he will go to extreme measures to get through to us. But those around us will be affected by the storm that surrounds our disobedience. Now, here's Pastor Daniel with part two of his message entitled, Run, Rebel, Run. Listen, if you're here today and you put your faith and trust in Jesus, the Spirit of the living God dwells in you. That means wherever you are, God's Spirit is as well. He is with you right where you are. So if you're running from the presence of the Lord. I'm here to save you a lot of aggravation. Stop. You can't outrun the Lord. He's already there. And Jonah, out of all people, should have known that. But yet he goes. Look at what happens in verse 4. But the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, So that the ship was about to be broken up. Verse 5. Then the mariners were afraid and every man cried out to his God and threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten the load. But Jonah had gone down into the lowest parts of the ship, had lain down and was fast asleep. So the captain came to him and said to him, What do you mean, sleeper? Arise, call on your God. Perhaps your God will consider us so that we may not perish. And they said to one another, come, let us cast lots that we may know for whose cause this trouble has come upon us. So they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, please tell us for whose cause is this trouble upon us? What is your occupation and where do you come from? What is your country and of what people are you? So he said to them, I am a Hebrew And I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. So you see what goes on. Jonah jumps the ship, going to Tarshish. They get out there, and you need to notice this. Verse 4, but the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea. Now, whose fault is this storm? It's the Lord's. Just the way the word of the Lord came, now... This wind gets kicked up. This storm happens because the Lord said it. Now, I think that that's pretty rebellious of God, don't you? I mean, this is the Lord's storm. Now, it makes you think about how, if you know your Bible, that Jesus actually calmed the wind and the waves. 
And you always think, wow, it's amazing, you know, Jesus. But God can also kick up a mighty storm as well. And the storm comes and everything starts to unravel. But you need to notice this. Your rebellion impacts others. Your rebellion impacts others. These mariners, these guys on the ship, they were professional seamen. Your rebellion impacts others. See, these sea people, these guys who work on the ship, they didn't, need, they didn't deserve this, but it's Jonah. Jonah is the problem. He's the problem. He's trying to run from God, and God is saying, Jonah, you can't run from me. And God kicks up this storm, and these sea people, they start taking care of business the way that they were trained. Notice what happens. There was a mighty tempest on the sea, the middle of verse 4, so the ship was about to be broken up. Then the mariners were afraid. And every man cried out to his God, and they threw cargo that was on the ship into the sea to lighten the load. See, these guys are doing everything they know how to do. Right? They're taking care of business. And, and when it was really, really bad, they would lighten up the ship so it would flow more effortlessly. It wouldn't break apart. They were so concerned. This storm was so great that they literally felt that the ship was going to break apart. And according to accounts from that time, when you're traveling on the Mediterranean in normal sailing time, you're not expecting these crazy storms. It was perfect time to be sailing. This was out of the norm. And so what happens after they're doing everything they can to try and get this under control, by the time verse 5 rolls around, we find that the mariners were afraid and every man cried out to his own God. They hit that point when all of our seafaring tactics are over and now it's time for prayer. And every guy, they all believed in different gods depending on where they were from. This was polytheistic kind of a culture where everybody had gods and everyone's crying out to their god except, of course, ironically, for Jonah. Because Jonah, where is he? He is down in the lowest parts of the ship. He had lain down and he was fast asleep. Now, commentators go on and on and on about what Jonah was doing and why he was sleeping, and it doesn't actually tell us Jonah's motivation. You can make the case that in a horrible storm on a boat, the most skilled men who would drive those boats, they, they were scared, and for the, the average prophet who probably didn't spend a whole lot of time in boats, it was overwhelming. You guys, your kids do that, right? When they're in a place where there's a lot of sensation, all of a sudden you find your kids sleeping. Yeah, because it's just, it's too much. Maybe that was the case. Who knows exactly why Jonah was sleeping. But notice, in verse 6, so the captain came to him and said to him, what do you mean, sleeper? Now, if you want to wake up your spouse, this is not the way you might want to do it. <laughs> I mean, the captain comes down, Jonah's sleeping in the lowest parts of the ship, and the captain is mad. What do you mean, sleeper? Arise and call on your God. And then think about this. Jonah was the only guy who actually knew the real God, and he's sleeping, and the guys who don't know who the real God is, they're praying. And isn't that convicting, if you think about it? How many of us are sleeping in the bottom of the boat right now? The world is hurting. There's a mess going on everywhere, and we're sleeping in the bottom of the boat. 
on our comfortable pillow of the finished work of Jesus. Now, don't get me wrong. That is a comfortable pillow. You will only have the peace of God and the peace that surpasses all understanding if you put your faith and trust in Jesus. That's the only place. And that is a great and comfortable pillow. But you and I need to be engaged in the work of prayer because people's lives are getting wrecked. Don't be sleeping like Jonah. And there's nothing more convicting than when you're in one of those kind of grooves of prayerlessness and someone who you know doesn't know the Lord says, hey, listen, will you pray for me? As if they should have to ask. As if the people in our lives should have to ask for us to simply say, God, I want to place this person in your hands. God, I want to place my neighbor. I know that my friend is going through this horrible thing. And God, I just ask that you would bless them and that they would know that it was you. It's almost absurd that the captain of this ship has to ask the prophet of the Lord, whom the Lord just spoke to, to be a person of prayer. But he does. But he does. Arise in the middle of verse 6. Call on your God. Perhaps your God will consider us so that we may not perish. So they wake Joan up. Joan, we need you to pray. And then in verse 7, notice what they said. Then they said to one another, come, let us cast lots that we may know whose cause this trouble has come upon us. So they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah, verse 8. And then they said to him, please tell us for whose cause is this trouble upon us? What is your occupation? And where do you come from? What is your country? And of what people are you? So Jonah gets up, finally like, look, we need to find out because this is weird. This is not, somebody did something. That's the problem. And so they cast lots. Now, I don't know about you. Would you make any major life decision by casting lots? I hope not. But it actually happens oftentimes in the Bible. Remember when after Judas committed suicide in Acts chapter 1, they actually cast lots to pick a new apostle. And Matthias was chosen. Now, some scholars want to say, oh, they shouldn't have done that. They should have waited for the Holy Spirit. And Paul was really the apostle. I just don't, I don't buy that for a lot of reasons. Some people say, well, you never hear about Matthias again. We never hear about a lot of them again. God uses people. We don't know how God used Matthias. But in the Bible, casting lots wasn't a, it was an oft-used thing. And it's interesting that in this case, who did the law fall on? The rebel, Jonah. And then they start peppering Jonah with questions. Now imagine this. Try and put yourself there and, and update the story. There's a whole big thing going on with you and your friends, and all of a sudden, they're like, something is wrong. And hey, are you praying? We're all praying. We don't even know how to pray. Are you praying? And they say, some, one of us did something. We're going to cast off and it comes out to you. Imagine this. And they're like, where are you from? What's going on? What did you do? Da, 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 da. And look at what Jonah says in verse 9. Jonah says, so he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. <laughs> Jonah just came right out with it. You notice, he didn't try and wiggle around it either. He was in rebellion. He knew it. He was impacting their lives. He said, I'm a Hebrew. Yep. 
I believe in the God of heaven. Yep, it's me. That's what he says. And I'll be honest with you, I can respect that in Jonah. You know, oftentimes you read Jonah, you're like, oh, Jonah, he's just such a knucklehead. But like, I can respect the fact that Jonah can own his stuff. He doesn't try and wiggle around. Oh, me? Oh, no, no. Oh, oh yeah, my name is Bobby. You know, I'm from Babylon. Bobby from Babylon. Hey. He just comes right out. He says, look, I follow the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. And notice he says that he fears the Lord. Fascinating. Because sometimes you can fear the Lord and not live like it. Sometimes you can fear, and you know the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, it's the beginning of knowledge, right? And fear is not that I'm terrified of the Lord. One is that I both fear him because of his authority, and I always use the same example. I don't care who you are. Let me give you, actually, I'll give you a very up-to-date example. We had Harvest Jam. And sure enough, Officer Holly from VPD, who comes to Crossroads, shows up in her squad car. Right? And I walk out into the parking lot with my kids. I see VPD. I pick up the phone and I call somebody. I'm like, hey, you know VPD is here? Is everything okay? Why did I do that? Because I know that when VPD shows up, most often they're there for a reason. Now, of course, Officer Holly's totally cool and wanted, and I, I put my kids in the back seat. I took some pictures. That's for later. It was fun. I'm like, oh, can I get in the back seat? You know? I'm that dad. I can't wait to roll those out. Someone's going to try and marry my daughter. I'm like, look, you're in the back of a cop car. Here you go. Get out of here, you know. But listen, if you're driving and a police car pulls in behind you, what's the first thing that you do? Step on your brake. What's the next thing you do? Ten and two. And then what happens? Rearview mirror, rearview mirror, speedometer, rearview mirror, right? We all do that, right? Even those of you who like to sit in the right lane and go really, really slow, you do the same thing. Why? Because you fear the reality that that police officer has the authority to turn on those lights, pull you over, and issue a summons. Right? So that is a healthy reality. We fear people's authority. And how much more should we fear the authority of the God of all creation, who has the power not only to take a life, but also to condemn to hell? Or to forgive and send to heaven. That's a lot of authority that deserves to be feared. We should never diminish the authority of God. We should fear God's authority. But our relationship with God is not only based on God's authority. It's also based on our relationship with God. And I always say that in any relationship, we should fear breaking our loved one's hearts. I should fear breaking Lynn's, my bride's heart. And the fear of breaking her heart will cause me to make certain decisions and to not make other decisions because I love her enough to fear breaking her heart. And that is another way that the fear of the Lord functions. Because of the depth of relationship that God has offered to us, we should fear breaking God's heart. And what's interesting is it seems that Jonah fears God's authority, but not so much breaking God's heart. Because what we're going to find by the end of the story, Jonah actually doesn't agree with God's heart. And his decisions are based on the fact that he doesn't like who God is and what God does. But Jonah says, I fear the Lord. I fear him. Now, 
His rebellion is impacting these men. And now look at what happens in verse 10. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, why have you done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. And then they said to him, what shall we do to you that the sea may be calm for us? For the sea was growing more tempestuous. And he said to them, pick me up and throw me into the sea. Then the sea will become calm for you. For I know that this great tempest is because of me. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to return to land, but they could not for the sea continued to grow more tempestuous against them. Now, Jonah's confession that he fears the Lord, it almost amplifies these men's fear. Notice, he says this, then the men were exceedingly afraid. Jonah's testimony of trying to flee from the presence of God makes these men even more afraid. Now, remember I said before that our rebellion affects others? Now what we learn is that sin has consequences. Sin has consequences. We're going to find that for these men, there are consequences. Now, because Jonah's very presence in their lives is impacting them. And now Jonah tells them what's going on in his world, and they're really freaked out now. They're exceedingly afraid. They said to him, why have you done this? A good question. Why? And he says, Jonah told him that he was fleeing from the presence of God. He's like, why have you done this? And then in verse 11, they say, well, what shall we do to you that the sea may be calm for us? See, as all this is going, it's getting worse for them. Things are crescendo. What shall we do to you? What can we do? And notice what Jonah says in verse 12. Pick me up and throw me into the sea. Then the sea will be calm for you. For I know that this great tempest is because of me. Can you imagine being here for this? This whole exchange. There's, and this isn't like a cruise liner where you have like your little cabin. They take you in the little cabin and everyone's talking and they're bringing out tea and crimpets. It's like this is a cargo liner, and it's getting, they're getting thrown all over the place, and they're having all this discussion with Jonah, and Jonah's like, look, this is what I need you to do. I need you to pick me up. I need you to throw me into the ocean. Jonah's saying, in essence, listen, hand me over to my God. Now, again, it's easy to slag and, and, and knock Jonah's actions, but when Jonah was wrong, he knew he was wrong, and he said, listen, give me over. I'm gonna, I want you to commit me back to the God of the sea, my God who created heavens and earth and the sea and all that's in it. I want you to give me back to him. I want you to give me back. And then notice in verse 13, the sailors won't do it. Notice, nevertheless, the men rode hard to return to land, but they could not, for the sea continued to grow more tempestuous against them. See, it's interesting that these sailors... They didn't want to anger this God further by murdering the prophet who's running from them. So you see how the rebellion of Jonah is now impacting these men in really profound ways. And you have to realize you don't live in a vacuum. And so when you choose to live in rebellion against God, it impacts everybody. I know everyone says, it's my life, I can do what I want with That's just wrong. Because you are a, somebody who lives on this earth with neighbors and families. And we have to start thinking bigger than just me and what I want. See, 
these men, they're put in a very precarious position because of Jonah's rebellion. Now Jonah's like, look, the only way for us to get out of this is for, for you guys to throw me into the ocean. They're like, we are not going to have the, the life of this prophet in our, on our conscience. I mean, if God, because he's running from them, can do this, what would God do to us if we killed his prophet? And these men who do not know the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are absolutely in a terrible position. This is terrible for them. They're stuck because of the actions of Jonah. But look at what happens. Verse 14. Therefore they cried out to the Lord and said, We pray, O Lord, please do not let us perish for this man's life and do not charge us with innocent blood. For you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and they threw him into the sea and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice to the Lord and took vows. Verse 17, now the Lord prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. These last verses of this chapter teach us that God's ways are rebellious. God's ways are rebellious. Now, I want to show you how God's ways are rebellious. Now, think about this. God's word came to Jonah. Jonah fled. God brought a storm, right? And the lot fell on Jonah. Jonah said, throw me in. Now, look at how the, what happens now. Verse 14. Verse 14, therefore they cried out to the Lord and said, we pray, O Lord, do not let us perish for this man's life and do not charge us with innocent blood for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. First notice that pagans pray. Notice they call him Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. Every reference to God before was G-O-D, which was a common word for God. Speak of the creator of God. But capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D in your Bible, that's Yahweh, the covenant God, the I am who I am of Exodus chapter 3. So now they're not calling out to God in general. Now they're calling out to Yahweh or Jehovah, the covenant-making and keeping God of the children of Israel. And they are literally saying, oh, Lord, please forgive us. Lord, you have done as it pleased to you. We are doing this. That's a, foul, that's a pretty crazy reality, isn't it? Somebody who doesn't know the Lord is praying to the Lord. Then, verse 15, so they picked up Jonah and threw him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. So God's ways are rebellious. They threw Jonah in and all the storm stopped. Jonah was the perfect antidote to the storm. Now, does that sound normal to you? I mean, this is crazy when you think about it. Jonah landing in the sea immediately stopped the storm. Jesus is When a person has authority over us, there is some fear there, but many believers don't have that kind of fear for God. As Pastor Daniel said, not only should we fear what he can do, but we should fear breaking the heart of the God we love. 
God is doing some amazing things with Jesus is Real Radio. It's our vision to see Jesus is Real Radio on more radio stations worldwide and to help change lives across the globe. You can help see this vision come to life by sending a gift of any amount to 7708 Northeast 78th Street, Vancouver, Washington, 98662. Again, to send a gift of any amount to Jesus is Real Radio, simply send your gift to 7708 Northeast 78th Street, Vancouver, Washington, 98662. Jesus is Real Radio is the radio ministry of Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. The messages that you hear each day here on Jesus is Real Radio were produced from messages that Pastor Daniel shared on Sunday mornings and the midweek study. It's our prayer that this teaching from God's Word blessed and encouraged you in your walk with Jesus Christ. Join us again here on Jesus is Real Radio when we find Jonah in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. As Pastor Daniel puts it, that's a lot of time to think. But it's when he prays that things start to happen. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Daniel continues teaching through his series entitled, Rebel. That's next time on Jesus is Real Radio. 